You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Good morning, welcome to the show. It's Friday the 18th of March, which means it is Boodle's Cheltenham Gold Cup Day here at Cheltenham, which um, was a little misty this morning, but the mist is burning off. I think we're going to get up to about 14, 15 degrees. It's going to be good to soft the ground, and Wednesday is a distant memory. As you can hear in the Fitzdares Club, they're just getting everything ready. We're battling against the, the Hoover, but I'm certainly not going to be telling anyone to stop. I am going to be welcoming Lydia Hislop to the show right now. Um, with a look at today's big race, the Gold Cup. Can you just pick your feet up so I can do that bit over there? <laughs> you are you are multitasking. <laughs> you are a woman of many talents or many uses, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> One of which is not hoovering by the judging, judging by the standard of this. Right. Okay. Um, you can clearly tell we're demob happy. It's not like we've got a six-hour broadcast to do this <laughs> afternoon or anything like that. And of course, this is going to date very quickly, but it's still hopefully be entertaining even after you know the results of the Gold Cup. Be like Dorothy Padgett with her selections. Right, where do we get stuck into this? I guess with last year's race. We've got last year's one, two, three, Manila, Indo, Aplutar, and Album Photo. Are they going to be the principals again, or is it new blood this time? Uh, I think there's some new blood, uh, but I think they will be the principals again. What are they doing different is what I'm interested in. So Album Photo, they've got first-time cheek pieces. I put it to Paul Townend, that suggests a more positive ride than usual. Um, and he didn't deny it. <laughs> he said that he doesn't really sort of focus on the next day until it is that day. But that would indicate... I mean, Willie Mullins came out of last year's race, felt that he should have given him more preparation, hasn't been able to. I do believe he tried, but ground went against him. So they slapped on the cheek pieces to get a positive ride. The thing was, there was no obvious pace in the race. And you and I were discussing, why would you go with Manella Indo? Why would you go forward with him? I think I would. I mean, the thing is, when I looked at last year's race again, I thought, Manella Indo wasn't just the winner. He was the winner at every stage. Now, I've gone for Aplutar because I think with the ground drying, with a better trip, with less pace on, Aplutar will sit handier, more toward the inside, ground saving, just tipping away. And therefore, I think, you know, being the best horse in the race, which I fundamentally believe he is, everything will fall right for him. Manila Rindo, I think, to win needs to make it a proper test. I agree. And that is down to Robbie Power, I think. And of course, it'll be Robbie Power on this time around rather than Jack Kennedy. Just a thought. Do you think he might be the kind of horse who thrives for a switch of jockey? As in the first time somebody rides him? Yeah, because he ran really well first time for Robbie Power last time, didn't mm, he? And first time for Jack Kennedy yeah. in the Gold Cup. So this Could is be. second time Robbie Power. Anyway, I would like Robbie Power to be assertive, like you, uh, with Manella Indo. Because then I think he will gain grounded his fences more against Aplutar, who the only chink in his armour, I think, is that way that he's quite slow to resume stride after he's jumped a fence. Yeah, I think it depends what mood, what, not what mood he's in, but what kind of form he's in. So I think the bad Aplutar is still better than most of these. I agree with that. And that the good Aplutar is better than all of them by a little bit. And also last time I think you can make excuses a little bit too far back in the early stages in a race that was pretty much controlled from the front. Then he made his move quite quickly and also Rachel you can understand at the time wanted to hold in David Russell on Galvin but I think that it's never it's never helpful to yourself when you try and do something to neutralise somebody else I think and I think it ended up just going wrong in that way. I, I fancy an and have tipped Galvin. Uh, he loves the track. 
he's got obviously got the right profile um, coming out of uh, novice chasing um, and I think he's improved all the time a little bit underestimated at Downwell at the start of the season and I like the way he showed stamina to get back up last time in the saddles yeah always a horse I've liked he's the he is the straight bat choice yes isn't he? he is absolutely he is a very straight bat choice uh, shall we go through the the less straight bats bats we better start with well, number can, three Asterian Falange if, if you want I can give everybody a little taster of what they're going to get on Grand National Eve <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can't really can't because everything's got some sort of a chance. Yeah. But you can sort of you can sort of rate your level of confidence behind all these horses. Album photo I just thought was a bit slovenly at Tremor, and the cheap pieces need to perk him up. Yeah, I'm on seven for him. Okay, Aplutar, I'm giving a nine. Nine. Asterian Falange, well, that's just a big question mark. <laughs> I don't think forty-five. Okay. <laughs> I write, I'll give an honourable five. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think he will win a solid race. Steven Falange, you know, he just could do anything, couldn't he? He's just such a klutz, though. He'll find a way of throwing it away. Okay, this is going to be an interesting one. Chantry House. Now, I, I did get the heebie-jeebies about, about Chantry House when uh, on Monday on Tuesday when um, Nikki was was going so well and the confidence about Mary's Rock beforehand as well, Constitution dotting up. I, I, I said to Nikki, I'm starting to believe Chantry House can win the Gold Cup, but no, I mean, come on, look at the Cotswold Chase. He can't. I think he might with the ground drying up. I don't think it's impossible. I'll give him a seven. Six. Galvin, I'll give him an eight. Ten. Manella Indo, an eight. Nine. Protector, I'm getting lukewarm on his chance. I'll give him a seven. Six, because I just think his form doesn't add up to anything. I mean, he won in really weird conditions at Aintree, and the horse that he thumped has retired, for God's sake. Royal Pagar, I'll give a six and a half. Five, I'm afraid. That is not a comment on his ability. It's more that I don't think he's suited to the track. Obviously, a ten for Santini. No, just kidding. Uh, I... It'd be a great result. It would be a great result. Second in the race two years ago. I'll I'll give him like a six and a half, seven. I'm going seven and a half for Santini. I mean, if it ends up being a positively ridden race, so like Album Photo and Robbie Power and Manila Indo deciding that that's how they have to approach it, particularly thinking about a Plutar's, um, what what suits him best. Well, then that is going to suit Santini. He has been getting steadily better for Polly Gundry. The run last time in the Cotswold was a positive and he has been placed in a gold cup. He's just the kind of horse that runs into a place at a big price. All right. And Tornado Flyer, I was really quite sweet on earlier in the week and I've got a bit less sweet on him. Yeah, I... Still give him an eight, I think. I uh, give him a seven. I think he is totally unexposed. Well, we don't know whether he's going to stay the trip, but he's unexposed at three miles. He's going to have to sort out his jumping early on because he he has got the propensity to whack one. Okay, that's the Gold Cup. Sorted, done. We've done it. Um, As regards what you've enjoyed most this week, what's it been? What do you think have been the most positive themes of the Cheltenham Festival 2022 as we're all in such a good mood? I have enjoyed uh, the diversity of winners, I think. I think that's been really, really good. I've loved seeing... Um, syndicates uh, up on the uh, winners' podium. You know, people completely mm-hmm. packed out and loving it. We've seen scenes as well in the winners' enclosure, notably Danny Mullins with that exquisite ride on Flooring Porter. Yeah, I went back and watched it back again last night. It's even better on second viewing. It's just so good. I, I hadn't. No, I knew I could see the horse had done something after the last flight hurdles, but obviously I had to go and watch that bit of Ruby ITV analysis where he pointed out that he'd managed to get, had to get both hands on one rein mm. to drag him back mm. from 
disappearing off left. Yeah, I mean, it was he's he was having to deal with him going off left all the way around, but markedly so there, you could see it. I just thought it was a, a beautifully judged ride. And then seeing him on the shoulders of all the Flooring Porter Syndicate was just amazing afterwards. So I really enjoyed that. I thought Cool Cody was fabulous yeah. yesterday. Uh, he is such uh, an icon of Cheltenham, I think. And I think the... I know it wasn't the story that everybody wanted, but the how unique that shot was of Delta Work and Tiger Roll coming back together. I just think we're going to remember that forever. Uh, talking of Cool Cody, I've been talking to his trainer, uh, Evan Williams. Uh, what a, an extraordinary horse he is. And it has been lovely this week that more people have got themselves on the scoreboard. And Evan was uh, keen to show his appreciation for uh, a pretty extraordinary, talented, very tough and somewhat bloody-minded horse. Well, it's not, and I suppose that old track probably brings out the best in, in what he is, you know. And he he just got sort of swallowed a little bit, but sort of between three out and two out. At that point, I thought, well, he's probably done his running. What were you thinking? Well, at, at the time it happened, I thought it was great riding by Brendan, but they didn't go from him, and, and Paddy's horse and... and Brendan's horse just gave us another chance. Now, if they'd done that and gone by him and gone two lengths away, I'd, I'd say that our chance had gone. But you can't give a horse like Cool Cody a little bit of a sniff of a competitive battle, you know. So, look, it was just it just probably helped us in the end, really. And there was that little <laughs> there was that little flash of a tail up the running, and I thought, well, a lot of horses when they do that, you sort of see them kind of going backwards or sideways it seemed to be sort of propelling him forward he's got an enormous a very expressive determination about him you don't see in many no he Nick he it's a terrible thing to say but he's probably not that talented if you you know if, if you're looking at the bare bones of natural ability all he has got is a a desire you know a, just a, a very tough desire to win and um, I suppose at the end of the day that's you know that's what the old tail swish is about it's just that he's just digging deep at, at a vital stage of the race so he will push himself a bit harder than a lot of horses will what's he what's he like to deal with on a sort of daily basis he's he's, he's not he's not straightforward um you know he's got a very good lad very strong lad a lad lewis gordon who's who's ridden winners and um would be a good strong lad um i mean he's fine when he's out of the paddock but um, you know, on the day-to-day -day dealing with him, you need you need a you need somebody who's strong. You you wouldn't want to you wouldn't want somebody who's going to be a bit a bit lily-livered around him. You know. No, and there's nothing lily-livered about him, nor is there anything lily-livered about Adam Wedge, his rider. Um, I, there were lots of nice things about uh, the last couple of days. I thought one of them was the fact that some of the results were sort of perfectly emblematic of the season as a whole. You know, we've seen how Venetia's had a great season and her horses have been running great this week. And um, sort of, I, I rather thought the same about you and Adam Wedge. It's been it's been us that the partnership has been you know really firing this year. Well, I mean, I don't know. You can't, you don't know why these things happen. I mean, Venetia has had a dream with her and Charlie. It's been a joy and lovely to see Lucy having a winner there yesterday as well. And I don't know why these things happen. I suppose you, you know, when your yard's like ours, you, you cling on to the hope of getting a few good horses because, you know, the vast majority of horses of a certain ability. Um, and we, we enjoy doing that day in, day out. But, um, it's always nice when you get a little bit of a cherry on top of the cake, isn't it, you know? It definitely is. And, and in terms of how the yard is this morning, is there a notable, uh, a notably uh, buzzy, upbeat atmosphere? 
it's remarkable. You know, any big winner, you know, gives everybody a lift. But I mean, it, it doesn't matter what anybody says. The festival is the festival, Nick, and and it, it transcends just everyday life, really. You know, so um, it's a huge thing, a huge thing for the yard, a huge thing for the boys and girls that work here, huge thing to the owners, and a huge thing to a lot of people who support us. And we don't really know they support us and just realise how much it means to a lot of other people, you know. Evan Williams there, trainer of Cool Cody. Cool Cody, one of a number of British-trained winners in handicaps at this year's festival. Now, we're not done yet. The Irish could win all the handicaps today. They've got lots of fancied horses. But actually, a lot of the handicaps have been completely dominated by British-trained runners. It may be a quirk, Lydia, but there were those who were uh, forecasting this in the lead-up to the event saying the British handicappers had been cutting their own horses an awful lot of slack. They will feel justified in that assertion. We're going to need to do some more work on this, aren't we? We are, Stewards Inquiry. Stewards Inquiry. Uh, I think, yes, we are. Um, it does... I do understand that there's been the, the British Horse Racing Authority had, did announce that they were going to have a review of how they're handicapping and the, that they were taking a different approach. It wasn't a sort of fixed approach. It was more of a sort of nuanced kind of approach. But, yeah, um, I think people will be looking at some of our horses and how well they have, achi- have, have achieved this week and wanting to have a look back and see what they... Sort of mark the homework in retrospect, I think. Mm. I mean, we, we did it the other way around last year. Yeah. And we've got to achieve a fair balance. So I think that's only right. And, you know, the, the, the BHA should expect that. And do you think there's likely to be any t- tinkering with the race programme at all? Do you think races are under threat? Do you think anything's going to go, come... Well, I think... I'm happy to part five days for, for the time being, by the way. We've, we've done that to death this week. I, th- I think they have to look at the Turners. Uh, they, have, they have to have a, a realistic think about that. Um, yeah, uh, because it, for having just four runners, all of them Irish, uh, I, that is a race that isn't working. Now, you do get the odd time where a race for whatever reason and you can understand it Bob Ollinger versus Gallopin de Chom and we saw in the race itself that would scare off a hell of a lot of horses it'll be like Frankel running in some of the group ones that he ran in um, so you've got to give it time but if over a three-year period we start to see that this race is dwindling or one of the other races is dwindling then yes it does need to be reviewed um, and is Gallopin de Chom definitively the best novice chaser we've seen here this week. I, I mean, I, I'm probably biased because I, I was of the view that he was coming into it and I, this, that was the race that I thought he was suited to and I thought he'd put up a monster performance. I think he's a monster. I really do. And if you look back how far he was beeping, beating Bob Ollinger and I know that Rachel Blackmore felt that he wasn't really at his A game but, you know, back to Bustleton, it all sort of stacks up. Yeah, Ma- but... Ma- Martin Dixon made this point yesterday. He said the thing about horses like Galapin Deschamps is he makes a horse like Bob Ollinger look ordinary. Exactly, exactly. Exactly, and I don't think he did put up in an, or- an ordinary performance yesterday. I think he made some mistakes, and obviously, and he'll he'll definitely improve. Clearly, Galapin de Chom has got to learn how to get his landing gear out properly. He jumped the fence fine and just couldn't find his foot. Uh, L'Ompresse is is interesting, though, isn't he? Because 
he is so efficient. He brilliant jumper. He is. Will will he be the one who kind of shows up the flaws in everyone around him? He's got the technique which is sort of spot on, and you wonder whether he's the gold cup horse. Uh, Willie Mullins was talking after Galloping Deschamps was on the deck. He was talking about maybe I could drop into two miles. Now Willie wants to drop everything to two miles. Either that or go up for the gold cup or drop to two miles. He's got the right idea, I think. He's a traditionalist like you and I. Right. The Fitzdares Club has now got a bit of an Ibiza lounge vibe going on. It's taken over from the Hoover. But we'll just keep um, we'll keep ploughing on. So this afternoon sees the 2022 running of the Cheltenham Gold Cup. Um, it's 50 years, amazingly, since Glen Carrig Lady uh, stormed to victory in the race under a young Frank Berry, uh, beating the Barry Brogan-ridden the Dickler with a daring run up the inside. It was Frank's first ride. At the Cheltenham Festival, he's now best known, of course, as racing manager to J.P. McManus, who has Chantry House in today's race. And Frank joins me now. I, Frank, I don't know how happy you are that I've reminded you of the length of time, but I would imagine it's still pretty vivid in your mind, isn't it? Yeah, uh, definitely, Nick. Yeah, it was a great, a great day, and uh, it's nice to be back here enjoying the, the meeting and uh, looking forward to the race today. So just just take me right back to you as a, a young man walking into into Cheltenham for the first time with a ride in the in the biggest race of all, and and how you felt that day about the about the whole experience. Uh, yeah, quite nervous actually. I, I rode her in the King George uh, at Christmas that, that's that year that spring, and uh, she was a little bit disappointing. She finished fifth. She was favourite, but she, she wasn't quite ready on the day and. I won her the PZ down in Turles before Cheltenham and uh, she went there in good form. We were very hopeful, but she had been unlucky the previous two years uh, when she was had a winning chance and fell. So there was a little bit of pressure on, but uh, she was an outstanding mare and, uh, you know, uh, under a little bit of pressure from the third last, but uh, she kept going and she met the rising ground. She really stayed on and won nicely on the day. And they were two absolutely formidable horses you were beating as well. I mean, they were they were coming either side of you, turning for home. The massive, the Dickler and Barry Brogan and Lescargo, who's a, a legendary horse, a Gold Cup winner himself, a Grand National winner. Um, were you were you under any illusions as to the magnitude of your task? Not really. No, they were they were they were there to claim to be seen. They were good horses to be winning all the good races, and uh, like they were, they were going to be very competitive and. Uh, Terry Biddle comes upside to me on the horse that won the national that that year. Um, it just can't think of his name now. But uh, we we made the running and Terry was having a chat with me on the way around, which which was uh, okay. And uh, but uh, yeah, it was a big day. And uh, Francis Flood was a great trainer. And he, you know, I was young and it was the first time at Cheltenham, and uh, it was a big call in his his part. To, you know, to have the confidence to put me up, so it was it was great for everybody. One one of the bits of TV that I've been really enjoying lately is is, is Ruby Walsh going back and analysing why jockeys did what they did in historic races. And I was looking at your your win on Glen Carrick Lady, and I'm going, I wonder what I wonder what um, persuaded Frank to dive down to the inside, approaching two outs. It looks an inspired move now. What uh, what what made you do that that at the time? I'd say the, the lads ran off the bend a little bit maybe and uh, uh, I was under a little bit of pressure she was only starting to stay on so uh, it was one of them things that happened in a race that it's very hard to explain uh, it just happened on the day and it worked well you know and, and obviously we've, we've come into this festival Frank with everybody talking about how many winners Ireland are going to have and, and so on and so forth and everyone's always 
placed sort of huge pressure on the on the big Irish hopes of the week. Was that the same when when you were riding in in, in seventy two? Did did you come here with the with the hopes of an entire nation behind you? Uh, a bit, a bit, but there was so many good horses in England at the time, and it was a, it looked a wide open Gold Cup as probably is today. But. Uh, yeah, there was expectations, but you know, she was after falling the previous year with a winning chance, and you're always hoping for the best. And I think the big thing about that time too, she got no mayor's allowance. She, she was uh, same way, same way as the boys, you know. So it's uh, she had to be that extra special to do that. And you've had some great times here at Cheltenham in your in your capacity as racing manager to to JP, including in, including in the Gold Cup, most most notably with with McCoy on on synchronised. Do you think Chantry House has got a shot this afternoon? He's not a horse that's beloved of many, but he is beloved of his trainer Nicky Henderson. Yeah, he listen. He, I hope he runs a big race, and Nicky is very happy with him. He says he's in great form. Looking at him, he's for him. Like he has to step up a bit today, I think, to you know, to be concerned. But you know, Nicky you now he's a great man at getting there on the day, and uh, he's hoping for a big run. Well, Frank, thanks so much for sharing memories of Glen Carrig, lady. Enjoy the day today. We'll see you later. Pleasure, Nick. Thanks very much. Thanks. Well, we've been teaming up this week with our friends at the Racehorse Owners Association to showcase their owners of the day. The owner of the day today is uh, Ollie Harris, who is in the fortunate position of seeing Porticello, one of the leading British fancies for the Triumph Hurdle, run in his now familiar yellow silks, which have been having an excellent run with horses trained by a few trainers, but um, most recognisably by Gary Moore, who also handles Porticello. Uh, Ollie's, Ollie's with me now. Ollie, you've had three days at Cheltenham. How are you feeling going into your most important one? Yeah, feeling pretty positive to be honest, Nick. We could have done it with a bit more rain, but you know it was, it was raining fairly heavily on uh, on uh, Wednesday. So um, you know, at least some rain came. Uh, it, it did, and Porticello has got lots of form in soft ground, and uh, the significance of this for for Jamie Moore particularly, and this race on a horse like him will not be lost on anyone. I'm sure it's not lost on you. No, of course not. I mean, obviously, we we all know what happened uh, a few years back, which was um, hard to watch. But look, this lad goes into the race. I think he's got a massive chance. Obviously, a couple of the horses that have come off the flat have obviously got a bit more tactical speed. But, you know, this lad's got a serious engine. I think he's going to be staying on up that hill. Tell me a little bit about your experience as a, as a racehorse owner so far, Ollie, and, and the extent to which you've you've got stuck in. Yeah, so I've, I've owned horses now, Nick, for about six years. Obviously, when I first started, we, we you know, bought a few store horses, um, some good, some not so good. Um, and then as my business has expanded and I, I sold one of my gear, obviously, I've started to invest a bit more heavily over the last 12 months or so, which has obviously seen the, you know, the quality of the horses that I own increase substantially. And tell me about how you go about choosing your trainers and, and, and what sort of balance of horses you want, split between flat and jump. So what's kind of guided you and steered you so far? Um, so there's a good pal of mine um, who, who sort of advises me. He's been in the industry for like sort of 25 plus years. I've got sort of a split of 50-50, half, half jumps, half, half flat. Um, I asked a good friend of mine, I said sort of pound for pound level playing field, you know, who do you think is the best trainers in the country? Um, and, you know, I, I was sort of steered towards Gary Moore and, and Neil Mulholland, who they train my, my, my jumpers. Um, I, I live in Surrey, so it's quite nice that I like to go and watch the horses. So 
Gary's only 30 minutes from, from where I live so I can pop down and you know watch Morning Galaxy etc so um, and obviously Gary's a, a lovely bloke and he's obviously a top class top class trainer and for you today to to be here at Cheltenham with a with a serious chance has, is it is it sinking in or have you been trying to shut it out during the week yeah, I mean, to be honest, Nick, it hasn't really sunk in, really. I mean, we, we come to Cheltenham every year. This is my first Cheltenham Festival runner. And obviously, you need you know, you know need a good one to be able to compete at this level. Um, I suppose it's sort of sinking today when we walk in the in the parade ring and all the, all the crowds are there and, you know, the, the, the atmosphere, etc. So, um, look, you know, we're really lucky that we've got one good enough to, you know, be able to compete at this level. And of course, I think not just for today, Ollie, and I'm sure Gary Moore said this, but for for next year and beyond as well. This isn't a sort of one hit wonder, this horse, is he? No, I think to, uh, to be honest, Nick, to, to do to do what he's doing at the age he's doing it, um, and the size of him is, is phenomenal. I mean, to win an auto maiden as big and as backward as he was, uh, you know, this this horse is a bit of a freak, to be honest. We're going to see the best of him in, in years to come over a fence, and let's be you know, let's be honest. Two miles is definitely on the short side for him. You know, he's, this this lad's going to end up over three miles, um, no doubt about that. But also, let's let's be crystal clear, he isn't slow, um, and he, you know, I do think he has a massive chance. Today. Well, plenty of skirmishes between punter and bookmakers so far this week, but this is where it really matters. The battleground of the Gold Cup 2022. Sam Hocknell's from Fitzstairs, who are uh, powering our coverage this week. Uh, and Sam, yesterday, you'd have thought it would have been a very good day for you, but that's why we have to ask these questions. It's not always how it looks. Uh, no, no, sadly it wasn't. We had a big multiple running up on flooring porter and... Uh, Sadly, he did the business quite convincingly. So, yeah, that was a real shame because uh, the rest of the card looked great for us. Yeah, with huge price winners, Sean Bard and Third Wind and uh, Cool Cody, you think, well, yeah, bookies are getting plenty back on all these big handicaps. But when you go into the meeting, is it those shorter price multiple bets that you're more wary of? I, I think so. Well, I think you know, at the time, you, you want to you take them on. You want to get them in the, in the book early. But then sort of as the week goes on, you sort of do, they sort of, they sort of creep up on you and think, oh, here we go again. But, you know, you've got to take the favourites on and, and, and hope for the best, really. I guess if you were a layer of Flooring Porter yesterday, you knew your fate fairly early on. At no point in the race did he ever look in any bother. No, yeah, when we saw Danny pulling the reins coming down the hill, we thought, oh dear, <laughs> I think we're done here. So, uh, yeah, it was, I mean, it was a great victory and good to see him do it again. But um, sadly, we weren't cheering him home. Yeah, it was a tremendous performance. Great performance from Alaho as well in the Ryanair to, uh, yesterday. Uh, what about today, the Gold Cup? Which horses have had the most momentum in the last 24, 48 hours? It's been quite quiet, really, actually. Not a huge amount going on. Aplutard's probably just strengthened up at the top of the market, but no real big moves at the moment. Um, we'll sort of wait and see. I don't really know how we're going to play, but it looks like he'll probably go a favourite, um, not Galvin, which looked maybe a bit more likely earlier in the week. And what about for the rest of the day? Uh, we plenty of money again for um, for Vauban in the uh, in the in the Triumph. He looks really strong, and probably similarly, we're looking quite worried if that goes in. That State Man's going to be a very strong favourite going into the county as well. Okay, so another good day for Willie Mullins on the card. <laughs> as the week's gone on, Sam, has there been any interest in this uh, Pressbury Cup, uh, the the sort of completely one-sided affair that's become less one-sided than we thought? Now, eleven ten to Ireland. Uh, no, very quiet. I think maybe everyone just thought, what was it, 1 to 12 or something like that, we won't get involved. I mean, we put up a handicap when we were doing the previews and we were generous enough to put up, at, at, at one point we were 
uh, Britain plus plus twelve winners, and even that didn't see any interest. So, uh, so yes, miraculous, but um, yeah, no, no interest really, sadly. All right, Sam. Thanks so much for your time this week. Brilliant. Thanks, Nick. So the fourth and final day of Cheltenham, and of course, I've dropped in in the shopping village on our resident artist this week, artist in residence of the Nick Daily podcast, Liz Armstrong. Liz, it's Gold Cup Day. You've got something special for me. Uh, you've got. One of my favourite Gold Cup winners, my favourite Gold Cup winner that you've, you've immortalised here. Just tell me about today's painting. Well, it is my favourite Gold Cup. In fact, I've got a photograph of the horse that won of his horseshoes in the um, paddock in the winning enclosure. Um, it's called Let's Go Around Again because it's quite nostalgic. It's when Denman won the Gold Cup. 2008. And this was the Gold Cup where he defeated Corto Star memorably when Richard Hoyle said, and Denman's got him at it. And this is, a, you say, let's go round again. This is an iconic moment in the race. It's when Sam Thomas um, casts a glance over to his left, looks at Mick Fitzgerald, who's riding Neptune Collange, and, and then picks up the baton and says to Denman, right, get on with it. And it's between this moment, I think, and the, and the moment at the top of the hill on the final circuit where he wins the race, where he turns the screw and draws the sting out of all the horses. Now, what you've done here is you've captured Denman's aggression and expression absolutely brilliantly. Oh, thank you very much, Nick. I love that horse, and I think I have captured it. But I've done it in quite a romantic way as well, with the soft pastel colours. It's uh, almost like a bit Dagarish, an Impressionist painting. Um, yes, it sold the first day I was here. And of course, what bisecting the two horses, but long in the background, is that famous white face of Corto yeah. Star that you can just make out. You're very right. His lovely blaze. We'll never miss his blaze. His blaze is always there. And his ears are pricked and Ruby's ready for action. So Degas-ish, just tell me about how you were how you were influenced in your early days to create pieces like this. Well, I've always loved the Impressionists because they were quite crazy bohemian set. They worked a lot outside, which I do, and um, they were sort of in with Van Gogh and Monet, Manet, Degas. Um, a lot of those artists all worked in the south of France, and they used very unusual colours. They use colours to sort of express an emotion, whereas before it had much, been much more traditional. Um, they completely changed the whole art world around. And what I notice here is obviously we're, we're used to a lot of green in, in equestrian painting, but there's a lot of red through here. There are a lot of red shades through here. Yes, because I get feelings when I'm painting. And obviously I'm very emotionally involved in the, uh, especially in National Hunt. And um, I get canvases and I throw paint on in sort of different directions, in the directions that they're coming. And I just use colours that I think that show a feeling of urgency and emotion that, that fall, that set the whole thing off. Well, there was nothing more urgent or emotional than the victory of Denman in the 2008 Cheltenham Gold Cup. And I, I love this picture. It's our picture of the day. I'll post it on the Twitter feed and it's called Let's Go Round Again. Liz, how's the week been for you as a whole? It's been fantastic, actually. We've had a lot of people here, a lot of people, a lot of compliments. And uh, I should have painted more big oils because I've sold them all. Oh, that's fantastic, including our, our picture on the first day with the coffee. Yes, the waiting game. The waiting game is over now. Um, I still have a limited edition print of the waiting game, 
But yes. Um... And, and as it is Gold Cup Day, I'm just casting a look over your shoulder, Liz, and I can see the study you did of last year's Gold Cup, which is a bit more traditional. Uh, Manella Indo, Aplutar, and an, an album photo. Who comes out on top this year? Um, well, I'd like, obviously, well, not obviously, Aplutard with Rachel, but Galvin, he's going to be a hard one to beat, I think. Liz, thanks for all your time this week. It's been thoroughly enjoyable. <laughs> Thank you very much, Nick. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Every morning we've had a good chat. And, uh, yes, it's made, the mo- it's made the week very exciting as well. Well, Lydia and I are in the Fitzstairs Club now. Um, they're getting things all prepared, and I certainly don't want to stop anyone doing what they need to do. But Neil Phillips has, um, has come in with a, a very nice-looking bottle, entirely appropriate for uh, 9.53 this morning. <laughs> um, Lydia, Lydia, by your own personal request. Yes, absolutely. I insisted on it. It was part of my rider for turning up today. OK, Neil, well, what do you got for us today? The Riesling just sat a little heavy on me yesterday, mid-morning. Well, we're going to make up for that, Nick and... Uh, this, you know, Lydia's been building up for this. We got the call about this yesterday. It's, you know, Lydia said, come on, I want to be on. You know, I love the sound of these times. So here we are, 9.53. Chatelet, rosé from Provence. Dry, elegance. We need to have a taste, everybody. I'm going to do a bit of pouring as well. Okay. Oh, there we go. Let us just do a quick... Uh, I need a bit of refill here. Yeah, we're going to have a refill. Yeah, so we're going to do that. Yes, here we go. Nick's having a refill. There it is. Oh, my God. And if I actually drink, Lydia's having one as well. If I drink this whole glass, I'll be in all sorts of bother by the time we go on air. Right. Cheers, cheers. everyone. Cheers. 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 Being in all sorts of bother. Yeah. yeah, that's definitely dry enough for this time of the morning. Come on. That, that's lovely. It's elegant. Ooh, it's so elegant. Come on, Lydia. That is Come lovely. on. Let's have the taste It note. is elegant. It's gorgeous. Yeah. <laughs> I'm definitely going to have the whole glass. <laughs> they, they say that you can only drink rosé. Uh, in the summer, in the sunshine, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. you'd have to shut your eyes. But actually, it's very nice. It's brilliant. And actually, one one thing we have noticed is that people in the UK love rosé all the year round, including Lydia Hislop. I think there's no doubt about that. This is a beautiful wine. Great producer. Owned Delsa Farm, owned by Lord and Lady Bamford. They've obviously got a runner here today as well with First Street running in the 210. That's a super one. And Mr. Coffee was a good second for yes. them yesterday, or second for them yesterday. Uh, Neil, hospitality industry this week here at Cheltenham, I'm guessing, has been booming, given how many people have turned up. It has been booming, Nick. Yeah, and it was a great day yesterday. And there was a brilliant atmosphere outside, around all the restaurants as well, everywhere around the race course. And the team, OK, they've been working. You know, they're on the course at 6 o'clock in the morning, getting off at about 9 p.m., but they're, they're feeling really happy. Everybody's really pleased. And hospitality has come back. And that's great. And it's been great to see lots of familiar faces coming back into hospitality, which is brilliant. And people just responding and saying, look, we've really enjoyed the whole experience. So it's been really positive. We've got great weather today. Perfect day for some rosé. And it's going to be a fantastic day. Well, that's an excellent way to, to sign off the day and sign off the week here, I think, on the, on the podcast with this uh, drop of rosé. So, uh, Lydia, I'll let you sign everybody off with the day the week's best bet you're looking you're looking horrified at this uh, at this prospect um i like il était temps for mm. the triomphe mm. i mean i could why see oh really oui. right okay i think that uh, a greater test of stamina 
what I hope to be a strongly run race. I thought he made a really good debut uh, in the spring hurdle behind Vauban, learning palpably all the time, finished off really strongly. Um, and I think, I mean, Willie Mullins has done this before, admittedly, luckily, um, with a burning victory winning because of, obviously Galvin went, but that horse was really inexperienced. Um, Auton Couleur ran really well in the race last year, inexperienced. This horse has got a similar profile. I think he can go very well. Excellent. Il est Cheers. Cheers. And um, here's to a great Gold Cup afternoon. We will see you again on Monday. And always want to have a glass of rosé when I'm hoovering in future. Yeah. Can we arrange that? <laughs> Fitzstairs would like to thank Lydia Hislop for her um, janitor services during the course of this morning's broadcast. We'll see you again on Monday, by which time we'll know the result of the 2022 Cheltenham Gold Cup. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzstairs, the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary.